Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. We interview people who have dealt with the trickiest of health challenges, but eventually learn to get well and stay well naturally. Now it's time to hear from one of our detectives and learn how another health issue has been solved. We hope you enjoy the show. I went to the emergency room one night because my heart palpitations were so bad. And the doctors said, we have to do heart surgery on you because we want to know if there's any electrical issues going on in your heart. And I said, are you sure that that's necessary? And they said, yeah. I mean, I was terrified, right? I was so scared. I said, okay, do whatever you need to do. But deep down in my gut, I knew for sure that this was not my heart. Like there was some silly root cause that just was being overlooked. I went through the surgery, was in the hospital for over a week and came out with a $100,000 medical bill. And they said they didn't find a single thing wrong with my heart. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. In this episode, I had the privilege of interviewing Rachel Smith, and I say privilege because I did not realize until we were doing the episode together, I was talking to a fellow 20-something-year-old FDN. I always love talking to my fellow 20-somethings. It's just cool to know that there's people in our generation and in our age range that are interested in this stuff. I remember graduating FDN at like 21 years old. I had no facial hair at the time, and I looked like 17. And there really weren't many you know, 20-somethings to begin with. So I stuck out like a sore thumb. And throughout the years, I see more and more people coming through this program that are interested in this at a younger age. And we really need that. Now, at the same time, on a side note, we have people that are graduating that are in their 60s and even 70s. That's what I love about this. It doesn't discriminate. Anyone can choose to make a career change or major change for their health at any time. Um, I think that's amazing. I think that is really, really, really a cool thing. And Rachel and I are both 26, so definitely similar stories in the beginning, I would say, in that we were kind of sicker, quicker kids. And what I mean by that is we were just kids that always had something going on, it seems. But then our stories took some drastically different changes, as you have just heard from that excerpt before I started doing this introduction. Uh, yeah, I certainly did not have any type of heart surgery, and that is pretty you know, scary. And this woman had this in her early 20s. That's when Rachel had to experience that. I can't imagine that's fun at any age. I really cannot imagine that's fun in your early 20s when there's no major reason to believe it is even your heart other than the palpitations. And yeah, I mean, I'm not an MD, but I, I do know quite a bit about this stuff. I've had tons of palpitations in my life from anxiety and other types of things that were not heart related at all. So little scary there. Uh, but Rachel's super sharp. You guys are going to love this episode and what she has to say. Here's a quick little uh, background on her before we get into it. She has been studying health and wellness for over six years now, and she has a background in healthcare administration, scientific research, martial arts fitness instruction, and is a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She is the owner of Natural Health Rising, which is an online holistic wellness company where she helps women naturally reverse their symptoms who have been struggling with autoimmune diseases, mysterious illnesses, and other chronic health issues. She is a huge advocate of using food and lifestyle changes as medicine. Most importantly, Rachel is on a mission to help people rise to their healthiest 
happiest selves. So natural health rising, help people rise to their healthiest, happiest, uh, happiest selves. Sounds good to me. I hope you guys enjoy this one. We really, um, you know, we had a great conversation around this. We didn't really know each other beforehand, not in depth. So these are my favorite types of episodes. It leads to more of a conversational thing. Without further ado, let's get to it. All right. Hey there, Rachel. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Evan. It's nice no to be problem. here. Um, as the regular listeners will know, these are my favorite types of podcasts because what we have today is an FDN practitioner who, I mean, I know through the grapevine, we know each other on social media, but I don't know her story. And that's my favorite because I would love nothing more than to be getting on a phone call with this person and asking you, Rachel, you know, all about your journey anyway. So I feel like when we can just make that an authentic conversation that happens to be recorded, that seems to do the best and people seem to enjoy that. Um, so we'll start off today with the exact same question that we always do on the podcast. And that's just as simple as when did your health journey begin and what the heck did that look like for you? Sure. So... I feel like my health journey has been my entire life. <laughs> I was pretty, I was, had a lot of issues when I was a kid, mostly digestive issues and lung issues. Um, I had pneumonia within weeks of being born, had pneumonia and bronchitis many other times throughout my life. So always lung issues, um, always had really bad stomach pains and bloating. My mom was always bringing me to the emergency room, to the doctor, like, here, what's, what's wrong with her, right? And um, we didn't know for a long time. I just lived in that kind of pain and that just felt very normal to me. And I was going to doctors was very normal to me and not having any answers was very normal. And then once I got into high school, I really got into sports. So I was a competitive weightlifter and I did Muay Thai kickboxing and I did track and all sorts of things. I loved doing it, but I did have a little bit of athlete's asthma when I would train. And uh, I was getting more into eating healthy just by doing the, the weightlifting and learning more about bodybuilding and things like that. So I did start to move into cooking my own food more and, and doing that, but there were still some issues. And um, the first time that I truly understood the power of food was when I took dairy out of my diet and my athlete's asthma went away and those stomach issues went away for the most part. So I said, okay, that's very interesting. Like, I can't believe that this whole time doctors have been telling me I've had some sort of asthma, but really I was just eating dairy because as we know, as practitioners, dairy is mucus producing, and it can cause issues with autoimmunity, skin issues, and, and lung issues and all of that, right? And then uh, once I went through my bachelor's degree in college, I was super, super sick. I really feel I was falling apart. And at this point, I was only 21 years old. And I was like, okay, what the heck is going on? I feel like an old woman. Like, I feel like my life is ending right now. <laughs> my hair is falling out. I was cold all the time. I had extreme heart palpitations. My heart would just speed up super fast all the time randomly. Um, the digestive issues came back, brain fog, which I feel like that, that was the symptom that upset me the most because I've always been kind of a high achiever and doing really well in school and, and life and work and all of a sudden, I had this brain fog that made me forget words and sentences and feel like I couldn't be the, the high performer that I was. Um, 
and many other symptoms. I mean, I could probably name 20 different things, right? So thinking back to the whole dairy story, when I was in high school, I started wondering what else, like, what am I doing wrong in my life? And I started listening to a lot of different podcasts, reading a lot of books, trying to figure these things out. And again, went back into that same routine of seeing a million different doctors, no answers. My blood work was always normal. And then it wasn't until I went to the emergency room one night because my heart palpitations were so bad. And the doctors said, we have to do heart surgery on you because we want to know if there's any electrical issues going on in your heart. And I said, are you sure that that's necessary? And they said, yeah. And I mean, I was terrified, right? I was so scared. I said, okay, do whatever you need to do. But deep down in my gut, I knew for sure that this was not my heart. Like there was some silly root cause that just was being overlooked. So I went through the surgery, um, was in the hospital for over a week and came out with a $100,000 medical bill. And they said they didn't find a single thing wrong with my heart, as I assumed. And so that was like the point where I said, I don't care what it's going to cost me, what it's going to take. I'm going to go find these, all these people I'm reading about in these books, all the people I'm hearing about on podcasts, the people who say that they do holistic medicine, functional medicine, naturopathic doctors, all that stuff. So the first person I found diagnosed me with Hashimoto's. <laughs> Finally, he actually ran a complete thyroid panel on me, which sadly enough, Many conventional doctors still do not run a full thyroid panel on their patients, which is very sad. Um, and he ran a food sensitivity test on me. So that was the first functional lab that I, I got to learn about and really test on myself. I was sensitive to hundreds of foods. He was like, this is one of the worst panels I've ever seen. And you're only 21 or I, maybe I was 22 at this point years old. So I changed my diet and so many of my symptoms went away, but that really propelled me into this career and into this lifelong journey of healing. And what wound up happening is I just kept exploring different kinds of practitioners. I kept learning. I quit my job in corporate America and went back to school to learn anatomy, biochemistry. Um, I was pre-med for a while and then eventually kind of moved into the functional practitioner realm and became an FDN instead. And I'm super happy that I did that. Um, but that's where my passion comes from. I lived through hell for a while at a very young age. And now my goal is to help other women skip all of that madness, right? Like I'm, I really want people to discover holistic and functional medicine and feel well again and understand that they don't have to suffer with autoimmune and thyroid issues. So that's how I got here. Well, that is a heck of a start. Um, <laughs> 80 something episodes. I don't, if heart surgery has occurred in any of the other people that we've talked to, they haven't mentioned it. That's kind of crazy. And so, sorry, just so I'm clear, what was the age with the heart surgery? Was that also early 20s? Yeah, that was that exact same time frame that wow. all happened very quickly. Wow, yeah. that's scary at any time. I can't, I, I feel like I don't know what I would do if someone said that to me. Even if I was like super sick, like I've always been scared of going under to begin with, just like I had that. And then I had to do it for a, an endoscopy. And then I was like, okay, this is not that bad. Like I'm under, I cannot imagine someone operating like on my chest though, while under that's, that's horrifying. Yeah. So it's not as invasive. It's not as invasive as that. Like they definitely 
make it seem like it's not a big deal. But what they do is they go through the major arteries in your thighs, like right in your oh, okay. between your thighs, and they put the um, tools, instruments in into those arteries, and they push it up till they get to your heart, and then they connect, and then they stimulate it, and they kind of sit and wait. Um, to see if there's any electrical issues that pop up. And if they do, they burn them or ablate them. It's, it's called okay. ablating. Yeah. But oh, still, so yeah, it's still crazy. <laughs> yeah. Climbing from my thighs to my heart is just disturbing in a completely different way. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that, that sounds no more fun at all. <laughs> um, but that's a hell of a lot of stuff. And I think this is just, that is an extreme example. And most of these examples are extreme in their own way on this show of just how far this Western medicine system, unfortunately, will go and still be wrong. I mean, you are a early, or at the time an early 20s woman and they're wrong about it. And like, it's great. Like, I mean, obviously, if there was something wrong with your heart, we'd probably want to know that, of course. But like, um, my God, it's just the system is completely messed up. And I, I always have to repeat myself. So I apologize for any regular listeners. Guys, if you're a first time listener, we're not against Western medicine here mm -hmm. at all. We have many Western medicine doctors that are FDNs and certainly that are a part of our team. That's how we utilize the lab work here. Uh, but it, it's the system. Being a part of the system does not mean you're bad. A bad system can have great people in it. In fact, it has a bunch of great people in it. But you know, the fact that we're never talking to someone like you or myself um, about foods and diet and the other things that go into health is just ridiculous because uh, different stories for sure, but very similar in the sense that, yeah, from pretty much day one, I had health symptoms. Five years old, I can remember panic attacks and GI issues. And yeah, early 20s, I mean, I just didn't fit in with other early 20s kids, right? If I went out and tried to drink alcohol, I would like die. Like I couldn't have like one or two drinks because my body just couldn't process anything. And so we got to be looking at other stuff. Um, and I'm so glad that that fueled your passion. I think it's really cool how so many of us end up taking this and flipping it on its head and just we, we turn it into a career. Now, the one thing I'm always really curious about for people is, you know, in today's world, it is pretty, I don't want to say common, but it's not unheard of to listen to something like what you're saying and, and you hear this person say, oh yeah, I started reading books or doing the podcast thing or whatever. But I'm, I'm curious, what gives you the ability to see beyond the line? Because you said yourself, quote, like I know in my, or I knew in my gut this was, there's like more of a root cause here and that it wasn't my heart. Okay. Well, how'd you know that? Are you just that intuitive of a person or was there something influencing you that made you think that way? And I'm fine with either answer. <laughs> mm, that's a good question. So one, I am a very intuitive person. Um, I notice again and again that when I don't listen to my intuition, I kick myself in the butt. <laughs> um, but I think it was, one, a bit of just tapping into my body. Like I gave the example of when I was in high school and I, and I took out the dairy and that changed a big piece of my health. And so that already solved a big answer for me. And I was like, okay, I should pay more attention to these things. And, um, yeah, it just didn't seem right to be that young and be go and going through the things that I was going through. I think that's the biggest thing. I think maybe if I was, uh, I don't know, 60 years old, 70 years old, at an older, older time in my life and experiencing that, maybe I would have said, oh, it's just age or yeah, this is meant to happen. But like you said, you felt like you didn't fit in. It's like, yeah, why can't I hang? Like, why can't, why do I feel like I need to go to sleep at 8 p.m. or take a nap in the middle of the day when all of my colleagues and 
people I'm in school with can study all night long and, and do go out and do all these things that I feel like I can't even do. I think this is a really key point and it's something that I don't know why, but it was such a common trend in the first, I don't know, 50 something episodes. And I feel like it hasn't come up as much. So it's a great time to bring it back up because one of my side projects here, and I think you totally would get this, is encouraging people to be empowered and actually trust their gut or just common sense, whatever. If you're not an intuitive person, fine. Just common sense of saying, does it add up that I'm in my early 20s and that this is going on. Does that really make sense? And I had the exact same type of thought. And this is something I hear again and again on this podcast where for whatever reason, some people have this way of thinking where they're able to look around and say, that doesn't seem right. And I don't know, maybe we just got lucky with the way we were raised or what we were around. But I feel like many people know that what they're going through isn't right. And they don't necessarily have the courage to follow their hearts or stand up for themselves in that way. And so I hope that this is just a, a lesson for everyone to, I mean, yes, don't play doctor, but at the same time, if you know something obviously doesn't make sense, yeah, challenge stuff a little bit. Don't be afraid to ask some questions. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with that. And it can save you from some really, you know, kind of crappy experiences like I went through or like Rachel's went through, because that's scary stuff and needless stuff a lot of the times. Do you recall, um, too, how you, what encouraged you to remove the dairy? as a younger person, do you, if you remember at all? So, well, I, I did remember a book that I want to mention that was life-changing for me. Um, but the dairy, I feel like, I'm not sure if this came in when I read this book or, or where exactly it fit in the timeline, but I can tell you, and this kind of goes back to the past question, um, I don't remember how I found the book. I don't remember why I like what happened. Maybe I was just browsing through Barnes and Noble one day and I picked it up and said, what is, what is this about? Um, I too always struggled with extreme panic attacks, anxiety, and depression. Um, that ran, it runs very heavily in my family, panic attacks specifically, and just like very intensely. Um, and I, I read this book called a mind of your own by Dr. Kelly Brogan. Are you familiar with it? I've heard the name Dr. Kelly Brogan. I'm, I'm not familiar with that book though. No. Okay. So that was the first book I read that was about um, the pharmaceutical industry and the link between that and then how different foods and supplements and taking care of yourself and going outside and moving your body can actually change anxiety and depression. And I, that was like a pivotal moment for me when I read that. I was like, whoa, is that is that true? And I started implementing stuff from that book. And that's when I really went down the rabbit hole even further. So um, that may have been around the dairy time. That may have been a little bit after it. But yeah, I can't pinpoint exactly where that change came from. No problem. And to me, that's just even more interesting because I, I do feel like with our audience on this show and who reaches out, you know, it's not off-putting to go the more spiritual or intuitive route. And I always find it funny because I got a, I mean, one of my only great assets, like in terms of academic stuff is just a great memory. And I can't for the life of me remember how I found out about this stuff. It's just all of a sudden, you know, something I remember at 16, I know I learned about GMOs and the injustices that were occurring with those. Can't for the life of you tell you who taught me that because no one in my life was into it. I'm like, where on earth did I find that? And how did that start that passion that early? I don't know. It just seems like these cool little synchronicities sometimes that are, are there to help. And if you listen, it could change your problems around. But that's a whole different podcast, isn't it? So, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
Awesome. So that, that's really cool that you decided to like actually take this to the next level and um, do this as a career. Now, I know that uh, th- there's a lot of people that we work with as, as clients that never choose to do this. So was there any other motivation to do this work outside of just your own health issues? Because I mean, you had said that you kind of had that pre-med background. I mean, do you think this was just like, was it kind of like that for you, but just your flavor of it where you're like, yes, this is what I really resonate with? Um a reason that I chose this career besides my own health journey. Right. Because I guess what I'm saying is like, I understand that you and I have both been through this stuff, but there's millions of people that have been through this stuff that work with people like us or FDN thrive and they never go do this. They go back to their accounting job and that's fine. We need accountants in the world. Right. So I'm always Mm. curious what takes someone to that next level to be like, no, I love this so much that not only am I going to get healthy, I'm going to go do this as work. Um, Well, one, it felt like a calling and it felt like my higher purpose But two, I was already, if we go way back to when I was younger, I had a couple people very, very close to me pass away and, and my first degree was in healthcare administration. So let me like kind of briefly go through that story. Um, My grandfather passed away from cancer when I was 13 or 12 and my brother um, passed away from a pharmaceutical overdose when I was 16. And those two experiences really frustrated me. Like more than my own health experiences, um, getting pushed away by doctors and being told I was fine my whole life too. And I felt like something was broken in the medical system before I even knew that I wanted to do this, like way, way before, just because I was like, how did I lose these people in my life? What went wrong? Why, Why did this happen to them? And initially, I went into a degree in healthcare administration because I thought maybe there's some way I can work in quality improvement. Maybe there's some way I can work in administration and like fix the medical system. I mean, I was young when I chose my uh, first degree. And so I didn't understand like what kind of impact I was even going to have or what the heck I was doing at the time. But I was already on that trajectory. And Once I did get my corporate job um, (laughs) in healthcare administration, I was set up to climb the ladder and be in this amazing profession, but I felt so out of place because I was sitting in this back end and I was talking about health insurance all the time and um, talking about money and it just felt very gross and like it felt like how am I solving anyone's issues? We're still just running in this same system that never helped my brother, never helped my grandpa and didn't ever help myself or anyone else that I know. And that was the exact same time that I wound up getting super sick. And so that was kind of the, it was just like, it all came crashing down. And I said, okay, scratch this whole idea. We're going into the other side because I feel like I can touch people directly by making a one-on-one impact. Um, So I knew that my purpose was in healthcare in some way. I just didn't know what it was until I got there. Does that make sense? (laughs) I know it absolutely does. And it's just, it's crazy because this podcast ends up being conceptually so damn similar from episode to episode, but the stories are unique in their own ways. And I think that's why people continue to listen. Um, but, but it's just crazy because this is exactly, you know, similar thing to what I went through. I watched my mom just get destroyed by this system. You know, they take her thyroid out eventually and no one's talking about this stuff. And I think 
perhaps I'm, I'm not sure if this is just being a young person or a young male specifically. I didn't, I never wanted to identify with, oh my God, I'm so all upset because my mommy's getting hurt, you know, but it's like, no, that actually really affected me looking back. And I was deeply upset because this was someone I had a strong connection with from a young age. And, you know, I hid that, but the truth is it tore me up to see my mom have to go to the hospital all the time or all these things happen. And so the lack of emotional expression around that was actually the defense mechanism. And the truth is, it's like, I hated this and I have my own health issues too. So it's just this, it's this storm. And I think that's the thing that separates people that, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? Going through and using us as practitioners and getting better and great going back onto their jobs versus like, this is something I have to do with my life because to me, this is the only thing that makes sense out of it. When mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in this position now and doing the things that I'm doing to help people and, and you're doing what you're doing. This is, yeah, it's something that gives sense to everything that's happened. And we're back in the uh, seat of control in a good way, right? In a healthy way. Like let's go actually make something useful out of these painful events and things that have happened. I think that's cool as crap. And I'm so lucky that I get to just talk to people like you every single day for this show. It's like, this is not a job at all. Um, Okay. So moving forward then a little bit, when you finally got into FDN, I feel like, were you already at a point where you had a lot of stuff under control or did you still have plenty to learn for your own health, would you say? Oh, no. I was mm, half and half. Um, So I am 26 now. Um, I started my business back in January, beginning of this year. at that point, I thought I really did have it together. And I mean, I haven't felt like I had Hashimoto's for, for three, four years, probably. And that journey was, I went through a, a lot of crazy stuff. Like I did heavy metal chelation therapy because I had really high levels of mercury and all sorts of other stuff found in my blood. Um, other, I did other functional testing way before FDN. So like I was already really into it. And did all sorts of crazy healing with gut dysbiosis, like fixing that. I already had my nutrition down. Um, the last piece for me very recently that happened was I also had breast implants. Uh, so for any listener who is not aware that breast implant illness is a thing, I encourage you to look it up. Um, it's still controversial for sure, but more and more women are speaking up about it every day, especially in the past couple of years. And so I got those put in at a very young age. I got them put in when I was like 18 or 19 and I got them taken out very recently. So uh, basically when I was going through the FDN program, so back in last December, I had them taken out because I knew that was like the last piece for me, the last toxin that needed to get the heck out of my body. And, um, once I did that, I did retest my hormones with FDN and looked at gut function again. And I did find things that were very off. And I feel like it is kind of re- could potentially be related to having the breast implants uh, that were still in my body and getting those taken out and having circulating toxins and the excess stress on my body because my, my estrogen and progesterone were just barely there. And my doctor is like, how, are, how do you have a menstrual cycle? <laughs> I honestly didn't feel like personally, I, the, the symptoms um, were not very strong. I, I felt pretty good, pretty normal, but it does show you the power of looking a little bit deeper. 
And so for the past year, that was something that I worked on even further was let's bring up the progesterone and estrogen levels to a healthy, normal level for a 20 year old, right? 26 year old. Um, and then working on just managing a little bit of gut dysbiosis too, because that can come and go, of course, as you know. Cool. So yeah, two things there. This makes so much more sense now because I'm so, as you know, in the FDN community, I'm so used to talking to people that are like 10 to 15 years older than me. Uh, this whole time, I'm like, I cannot believe this woman's like 35, 40 years old. Oh, I'm I didn't believe it for a second. So that's a compliment, but it was like, <laughs> holy crap. So that's funny. Always nice to meet another young person in FDN. Yeah. And um, number two, guys, we have a whole episode actually on breast implant illness with Sarah Felipe back in uh, episode 28 of the Health Detective Podcast. So definitely check that one out. It's the entire episode is exclusively about that. And what Rachel just said is so true. I mean, I never, as you can imagine, haven't dived too deep into the topic of breast implant illness. I haven't had to do that. But that's like a lot scarier than I ever thought it was. And it's this, you know, taboo topic that I love the leaders in our community that are just speaking up and saying like, hey, yeah, I did this. Maybe it's affecting my health. Maybe it's affecting yours. And let's have a conversation around it rather than like, you know, be ridiculous and not talk about this. Um, I know our friend Jennifer Woodward, she was like episode six on this show. Awesome episode. Um, might be episode eight, but that's not the point. The point is Jennifer Woodward just like, do you follow her on Instagram at all? Yes. Okay. Did you see her whole thing recently where like she literally documented the whole surgery of getting the breast implants removed or whatever? I thought that was amazing. I'm like, we need more of this and this kind of transparency. I didn't, but I also have a whole story on my Instagram uh, okay. with with my process and and awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. crazy. That's what this is the my one of my favorite parts about this community is just the leadership, and we're always and I'll say this, you know, I'll say this about all of us. I think it is absolutely fair to say we are always the ones doing the things that we need to do first, you know. No one else wants to wear the damn blue light blocking glasses. I'm wearing them at night, right? We're doing this stuff. <laughs> do you have the RA, the raw optics? I do. These, <laughs> these are blue blocks, but I do love the Matt Maruka guy, and I am oh, a Philadelphia native myself. So okay. um, my next pair, I go back and forth because I love Andy Mant and I love Matt Maruka. We're actually trying to get Matt on the show. Um, yeah, I have both. I have two pairs. So listen, we're just doing stuff before it's cool. People are going to wear those things one day, but you know, we're just stuff ahead. So um, I'd love to break down some of the specifics. I know that you had kind of already listed a few or alluded to a few, but um, maybe with the things that you learned while going through the FDN program, what were some of the markers in particular that were just like, whoa, like that's a major thing. And then if you want, we can even go a little more in depth with those to kind of explain the significance of those markers to people or findings. Mm, okay. Markers that surprised me through FDN. Well, I would have to start with I want to say cortisol and DHEA because no one ever talked to me about cortisol. And I think that's crazy now that I understand what the depth that cortisol, the impact that it has on your body and how important it is um, in regards to your other sex hormones, your energy, your metabolism, all these different things, your blood sugar balance. Um, that shocked me to see what mine was. And it made so much sense as I saw it because it was not in the best shape. Um, so that one, and then, like I said, the DHEA, so the balance of those two. And I am a huge fan of the GI map. I use it with all of my clients. I find the H. pylori super interesting because so many people have it. And 
I find that very interesting how I had it um, when I tested last year. So I, I went through my own protocol with that. It wasn't causing me any symptoms though, but I just went ahead and self-treated for it anyways. But I have had clients where it's significantly impacted them. Um, and then really anything on the GI map I think is amazing. Like looking at, you know, your your pancreatic enzymes and the zonulin. I always add on the zonulin to the GI map to see the, you know, if the if you have leaky gut. Um, so I would start with those. Cool. Um, I like that you brought up the H. pylori thing because that's something that I've always found kind of interesting in practice because for those that don't know, H. pylori is supposedly, you know, you hear ranges from like all the way from 20% as high as 40% in America. And yet I don't know about you. I would say of all the GI maps that I've ran, probably without exaggeration, 80% of the time it comes back up and we know that it can be missed some of the time. So it's like, is it just that much more prevalent than we think? Or is it this overrepresented in populations that are sick? Now, guys, don't listen. We're, we're big picture thinkers with the functional space. We're not trying to hone in on one marker and say, oh, yes, H. pylori is everything. But right. it's an interesting note that it seems to be way overrepresented um, in sick people. Are you finding that it's more than 20% of people that you're running it on? Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> interesting sure. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I um. And I mean, yeah, when is that stuff going to get caught? I remember I got tested for that with a biopsy. They literally did that when I got that endoscopy and colonoscopy. I ran um, uh, a GI map just a few months after. I did not, and this matters, guys. I mean, I wasn't sharing any soft drinks. I wasn't kissing anyone at the time. Like, I didn't, there's very uh, low chance that I got this from the environment during those few months. And then I run the GI map and bam, they found it as well, uh, found it on there. So kind of interesting. So how has the last uh, year or two looked for you trying to implement these protocols from FDN and kind of getting this new information? Like what has this done for your health? Because I mean, you can only see so much through a screen. Like I feel like I'm talking to someone who has high energy and who is totally back cognitively. What's your, what's your kind of subjective opinion on your health? Oh, I feel awesome. Nice. <laughs> I don't like, I can't say I really have, I don't have much going on. Um, cool. I would say I feel healthier than I've felt in my literal, literally my entire life. And I was just talking about this with a different FDN yesterday on my podcast. And we were talking about how we both feel like we're kind of reverse aging because, um, <laughs> It's just amazing. Like each year it gets better and better. How cool is that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's well said. I would imagine to, um, because I've said those exact same words, I, I would probably assume it's true for anyone. But I think when you have this unique mix of 20 somethings that have been sick their whole life, it literally feels like reverse aging. Like I mm -hmm. am objectively and subjectively the best I've ever been. Um, I'm the strongest I've ever been. You know, physically, it's just, it's kind of crazy to experience that. And it's very fun. It's, it's, I'm so grateful every single day. Um, a lot of people, uh, not so much here, they more get it, but I, I do some work in another place where they're always like looking at me like I'm crazy, like Energizer Bunny. And I'm like, <laughs> it's just gratitude, man. Well, it's health, it's health. But it's also just gratitude. I'm like, I know what it's like to feel like crap for the first 20 years of your life. Trust me, if you get that under control, yeah, you're going to wake up feeling like the Energizer Bunny every single day too. It's just, it's an appreciation for life and an appreciation for things that thankfully, because I don't want them to have to experience this. Most people our age have not, there's a lot that have, but not the majority. They haven't experienced this in the way that people like you and I have at this time. So yeah, when you're you know, waking up at 25, 26 years old and feeling good for the first time, 
I think that's going to lead to a, a whole different mindset than most people. And I'm, I, I wouldn't change a thing, honestly. I, I'm very grateful for the entire experience. And like you said, it feels like a calling, right? So I'm sure, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I'm guessing you're in a similar boat. Would you change anything about this and the way it went or? Nope. I wouldn't change a single thing, even as painful as those many years were, I would not. And um, I think that this is a way, though, that a lot of people should look at life, even if they didn't go through whatever my story was. Like you said, waking up every day with gratitude and waking up every day and, and being able to look at your past and say, I'm okay with that. I'm happy with where I'm at is very important for your health, actually. Your physical health, well-being, so, mental health, all of that. So that's something I, I tell a lot of my clients is, hey, let's talk about gratitude and, and acceptance of this and how can we keep growing and getting better and better. Sure. All right, cool. So as you have moved into practice for yourself, the FDN philosophy is obviously intentionally designed to help just about anyone because we're addressing things non-specifically. But of course, as FDNs, we we like to have a niche usually and, and focus on that. So who is your um, like ideal type of client? Like who do you serve nowadays primarily? Sure. I typically work with women who are around the ages of 25 to 40. Um, they have an autoimmune disease or some sort of thyroid kind of hormonal issue going on. Um, a lot of people also come to me who just don't know what's wrong with them, right? They, they were in that phase that I was once in where they were running from doctor to doctor and they felt like crap. And they said, I don't have a diagnosis, but here's my symptoms, right? And so often um, a lot of those women come to me as well. What are some core similarities that you might be seeing um, with these types of clients? And let's just call it the ones that you know, the women in that 25 to 40 range, not necessarily the ones that, I mean, unless there's similarities amongst them too, like are there core things that you're seeing diet wise, lifestyle wise? I'm always looking for the core themes that we can kind of share with the listeners. So maybe they can be like, hey, wow, wait a second. I'm kind of doing that thing in my own life where I, I noticed that about myself. <laughs> okay. What are they, what are they doing that's making, that's kind of keeping them stuck in that, in their health issues? Yeah, I apologize. I could have worded that better. Yeah, core things that are, you're seeing okay. like, okay, maybe they're all doing this wrong with their diet, or maybe even they're all coming back with this lab marker messed up, like just things that maybe come up over and over again. Yeah. So uh, lifestyle wise, they all go to bed way too late. Like, and it's one of the quickest positive feedback I get from them when they I tell them, hey, go to bed by 10 p.m., because that, you know, the sleep between 10 to 12 is worth double the amount of sleep uh, after that, that whole, that whole thing, right? And when they start to go to bed earlier, they're like, oh my God, I feel so different when I wake up now. I don't have as much fatigue. Obviously, this isn't like super dramatic, but they definitely wake up with less fatigue. They feel better. Um, I hear it from all of my clients. So sleep, they're going to bed way too late and, and doing things at night, like they're all um, very hardworking women, right? So like type A, go, go, go kind of ladies. And so they're staying up later. They're getting the extra loads of laundry done late at night. Um, they are just kind of overexerting themselves and not giving themselves any time to relax. So once they start to actually relax and do some nice wind down routines, like reading at night, taking a hot bath, giving themselves some love in the evenings and, and just going to sleep earlier, then we see a big shift. Um, 
diet-wise or nutritional-wise, a lot of people are eating unbalanced meals, so not enough protein and fat to go with the carbohydrates. Um, this is going to cause blood sugar imbalances. And so you kind of get on that blood sugar roller coaster and you have mood swings and energy crashes and things like that throughout the day. And they're also eating really often. Like they're, they're snacking a lot, um, which will provide the same kind of negative blood sugar roller coaster effect. So we take them from that to eating you know, three solid meals a day instead of six to seven snacks and random things that they just want to pick up on the go. Um, and again, they're not even taking time for themselves to like sit down and eat a meal. They're just rushing. They're like grabbing something fast in the morning, eating while they're driving, not even taking a break for lunch and just eating a, a granola bar or something. So that's a big one. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a big mix between the sleep, the diet, and a lot of stress on themselves and just too, just doing too much. Right. And it, it's such a common, no matter what the answer to that question is, when I ask it, the number one thing that I hear, either directly or indirectly, is this type A type of mindset and lifestyle. And I mean, hell, that's, I'm someone that can't really, you know, condemn that by any means. But guys, yeah. there's, there's got to be a balance. Um, I still like to work a lot. I, I really enjoy the work that I do. So I, I work, quote unquote, if you're watching the video, um, you know, probably 78 hours a week sometimes, but okay, I don't consider all of that work, you know, to me that I think work is rather subjective, right? If I like doing it all the time and I'd want to be doing it in my free time anyway, and I happen to be getting a check for it, I don't know that that's work. Um, but nonetheless, there's output, there's a lot of output and not just downtime. And I, I actually think that's possible, but you have to decide what the important parts to you are. Like, I don't miss my sleep. I don't mess around with my diet. I'm not going around getting hammered at the bar, even though I'm a 26 year old guy and that's what everyone's supposed to be doing, right? Just because that's what we do it in our twenties. Like I don't do that. I can't do those things if I want to maintain this work thing. So I think people, once they get their health under control can actually do a lot more than they think. Uh, there's a lot more flexibility than they might originally think, but the restriction, and I don't even want to call it that the, um, the rigidness in the the protocols in the beginning, we're just making up for lost time. You really only have to be super rigid for like 60, 90, maybe 120 days. And then, yes. yeah, you can start balancing life again. But you're making up for lost time because for the majority of your life, you were on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you were pushing your body way too far. And it's actually remarkable that the body can, I don't want to say heal completely in 90, 120 days. But the fact that it can get so much better in that short a period of time for someone who's been sick for like 20 years sometimes, I think that's a pretty fair trade-off. Like nature's pretty cool that it allows us to do something like that, even though we've been doing the wrong thing forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And such a good point that you just made. I love that you said that the protocol is rigid for the first few months. And then after that, you can have flexibility because you're right. Like it took many, many years for your body to break down and get to the state it's in. And you, so you have to be diligent and like do it right the first time and make those sacrifices, get yourself healthy. And then eventually the goal is to live a little sometimes, you know, if you, you don't have to eat a hundred percent perfect diet for forever, but in those first three to six months, it's going to make a huge impact and really get your body back to where it's supposed to be. Sure. All right. So I know that you've only been doing this. I mean, I guess 
not that long, but obviously I have the context of knowing before we even got on that obviously your business is doing okay, considering you were able to kind of go do your thing in Costa Rica for three months. And um, clearly it's established and you're helping people out there. So if you do have any off the top of your head to the degree that you're able to share the information publicly, is there any like uh, client testimonials or stories that are just amazing that really stick out to you that this person came to you, like you said, they have no idea what else is going on. They've tried all these other things. And then this system and, and your knowledge was able to finally help them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's pretty cool because people with autoimmune disease, they, they're told that they can't reverse their diseases. And I've had the pleasure of working with a few different kinds of autoimmune diseases. And one of my current clients, actually, I'll talk about her because I get, I'm very proud of this. Um, she came to me with alopecia areata. And so for those of you who don't know, it's an autoimmune type of alopecia that you lose your hair. Like, like I'm talking, she came to me with two giant bald patches on her head, the size of like the palm of your hand, like huge. And she's only in her thirties. And uh, we've reversed that. Like she does not have bald patches anymore. Her hair is growing back. I just checked in with her the other day. I'm like, hey, how's the hair growth going? She goes, yeah, it's still growing, still going good. No new bald spots. Um, and we've been on that path for a few months together now. So that that is just amazing to me to like, because it's not even just that. It's giving her back what she lost personally, which is now I'm sure she she feels more beautiful, right? Like she's got like feeling more like a woman again and more better in her skin. And that piece is important, giving her back that. Um, I had a client, one of my earlier clients with rheumatoid arthritis, also a young woman. She was like 30, 31 years old. She had pain and inflammation in her feet consistently for five years, like never went away once in her feet. And then her hands would kind of come and go, but still like typical rheumatoid arthritis pain and inflammation. And she also had a hormonal imbalances. She didn't come to me for the hormonal imbalances. She came to me for the rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and when I say hormonal imbalances, I'm saying she would like randomly bleed throughout the month. Um, she had tender breasts and bloating and pain and things like that around her menstrual cycle. And just within the first like two weeks of working together after doing removing food sensitivities and making a few lifestyle changes, the pain and inflammation in her feet went away. Okay. She dealt with that for five years. And within just a few weeks that, that went away. Wow. That was amazing. And then of course, you know, as the months go on, all of her menstrual irregularities went away. She had a normal cycle again, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, like pain and inflammation gone um, after, you know, many months of working together. So everyone's journey looks a little bit different. But um, those are those are my two favorite stories so far. I don't want to share like too many. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I, well, and it never gets old. I love hearing these. And I think if anyone's listening to this podcast, I think that's probably one of the reasons they listen is just to hear these stories over and over and over again. Um, and I think the hair loss thing is not something that's been brought up before. But yeah, that is significant. I would imagine even as a guy, if that started happening to me, I would still be pretty embarrassed. As a woman, that's such an essential part, typically, I mean, societally, at least, whether for better or for worse of the look that yeah, you start losing your hair like that in your 30s. That's probably pretty embarrassing. 
And as someone who's dealt with like skin issues and other physical stuff that people could see with my health journey, yeah, I know what that can do to you psychologically, confidence-wise. Um, obviously, acne is a little different than hair loss, but conceptually, I would put it in the same category of just it's something that other people can't miss. Everyone's going to see it when you walk by and you are constantly thinking about it because we got mirrors everywhere. You're taking a selfie on your phone. So yeah, to give that back to someone, if you haven't dealt with it, I don't think they get it. But I, I would imagine that's a pretty damn empowering thing to be able to look in the mirror again and be like, all right, cool. Like this is growing back because it doesn't make any sense. Why the heck would someone in their thirties be having these huge uh, bold patches on their head. Like I just, I don't mm -hmm. buy it. Right. Um, so that's awesome that that was able to be kind of reversed and fixed up. Now I got a few more, um, just quick questions for you while we finish up here. One, just, I'm curious, like what are the plans for the future with the business? Like, where do you see this going? Like, what are your, um, what are your goals? Sure. So right now I work one-on-one -on -one with people and I did just build out a, a six week autoimmune group program, but I'd like to continue to build like grow bigger and bigger, reach more people, continue to do more group programs. And I'm an idea person. I have lots of them. <laughs> I have ideas for retreats and workshops. I'm, I'm actually holding a woman's holistic hormone workshop here in Arizona just in what, two weeks. Um, so branching out to more in-person stuff, thankfully now that um, some of the restrictions have calmed down. So just going to keep expanding and try and touch as many people as possible. Very cool. Okay. So if people wanted to work with you or get involved with these ideas that you have, um, where can people find you? Website, podcast, everything that you got, let us know. Yes. So it's very easy because it's the same everywhere. Um, my business name is Natural Health Rising. So if you Google Natural Health Rising, search it on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, I have a podcast the Natural Health Rising podcast. So anywhere um, that you like to get all of your information. And my website is naturalhealthrising.com, which is where you can apply to work with me. Um, you can just schedule on there and we would have a free consult together. It's just a chat for me to get to know you a little bit better and see if I can help you in any way. And um, yeah, and I have an email list too. So if you guys want to get great free holistic health content. You can sign up for that on my website as well. Sweet. All right. Of course, guys, we'll have those in the show notes. And now, Rachel, we will finish up with the signature question on the FDN Thrive podcast, the Health Detective podcast by FDN Thrive. We switched our name like halfway through. I still uh, haven't gotten used to that. Signature question is this, and I know bioindividuality is a thing, so humor me, but it is if Rachel had a magic wand and you could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health or maybe get them to stop doing one thing. What is the one thing that you would get everyone to do? Oh, wow. That's hard. <laughs> there are so many things. Okay. Um, I would say I'm going to put two together because it's, I want to give something that's free, easy, and you can go do it right now, which is, get outside and walk and get in this. So it's all together, going outside, walking, getting in the sun. Um, so you're getting your movement in, you're getting your sunshine exposure, exposure to help balance your circadian rhythm, which will help your hormones and your sleep. And um, you're getting that fresh air, you're getting nature, you're getting out of the house. So that would be my one thing for everybody to go do. All right, nice little simple tip to end it, but is it really that simple? 
Guys, if you're a regular listener, you already know what I'm going to say. The basics matter. And most of the reasons that we even need these advanced labs and all this really complicated stuff, honestly, is because we have screwed up the basics so badly that now we're seeing all these unique problems in modern humans that we just didn't see before. So don't underestimate the power of doing something like that. Now the difference, and this is the part that no one likes, right? This, the difference between the simple habits and the medications of the world are that you actually have to do the simple habits consistently. It might take some time out of your day, believe it or not. <laughs> you might actually have to dedicate some time out of your life to getting healthy. I think that's pretty much worth it, but it's kind of crazy how far people will go before they're willing to uh, change their lifestyle around. And hey, I mean, maybe I can't even talk because I went for quite some time before I was really uh, ready to pull the trigger and say, you know what? I'm not going back to this anymore. I'm going to live a different life because the things that I'm going to give up are actually going to help me get more than I ever thought possible. And I don't mean to sound uh, cheesy or cliche, but it's this idea of giving up to get up. And I always like to visualize a hot air balloon with this. I've posted something like this before where, you know, you have all these, I don't know, whatever, sandbags or whatever it is, weighted bags around the hot air balloon. And you can almost attach something to each of those, attach a label to it. One could be trauma. One could be negative habits that you know aren't serving you. Another could be toxic traits. Another could be toxic relationships. And as you let each of those bags go, it rises you up. Now that's uncomfortable, right? The higher you go off the ground, you're like, whoa, <laughs> it's a little scary. I know for me, I'm not really into that type of stuff. I do it to challenge myself, but it's not my natural preference, that's for sure. But what happens then? You keep going and going and going. Eventually, you're just like, wow, this is a damn cool view. So I hope that analogy makes sense because it helps me explain it to people and it helps me um, in my own personal life. I just picture this. Okay, Ev, you know what happened last time. Come on, man. You're just holding on to this because you don't want to get higher and you don't want to be a little scared as the view gets you know, a little broader. It's going to end up being beautiful in the end. Give it up. Just give it up. And it's so funny looking back all these different stages that all of us have gone through in FDN Thrive and FDN in general in our healing journeys, I know I can speak for probably many of us when I say the idea of living how I live now seemed almost incomprehensible at one point, but you don't do it all at once. You chip away a little bit, chip away a little bit, and then all of a sudden you seem like this completely different person with all these different habits, but you were developing them one at a time. First I changed the food around, then I addressed the sleep. I'm not necessarily recommending that, but that I was... In my late teens, early 20s, I was so unwilling to give up the sleep thing. I wanted to stay out late. I wanted to stay up with friends. Even if I wasn't like drinking or something, I couldn't really drink much because I was sick. I still wanted to stay out with them. And I realized, dude, that was just a sandbag. I had to let that weight go because I could never get to the height that I wanted to go to without just kind of dropping that. I hope that makes sense. Guys, definitely make sure to check out Rachel. Again, that's Natural Health Rising. And she has her own podcast. So definitely, definitely go over and check that out. And I want to thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. If you like the information that we are sharing and would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, 
We would love you even more than we already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again soon, but until then, take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Health Detective Podcast. If you are ready to finally work with a real health detective on your health journey so that you can get well and stay well naturally, visit us at fdmthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. 